Hello, Chris Evans here. Welcome to this week's Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, movie maestro Donald Gleeson regales us with stories of co-writing with his bro, Brian, and starring in their new comedy show on Channel 4, Frank of Ireland. It's brilliant. And I think it might be hilarious. The king of light entertainment, Stephen Mulhern, talks pounding the pavement for the return of, I think, maybe the best thing on telly, In for a Penny, ITV, Saturday nights, 7pm. Professor Noel Fitzpatrick tells us all about his evening of virtual live chat, How Animals Save My Life, hosted by none other than Lorraine Kelly. And Dame Ellen MacArthur discusses her incredible charity work, helping to rebuild some of the young lives affected by cancer. All of that gold and so much more to come. Now, Dapper Dave, tell us who's the first guest. He's one of the only people on Earth that connects Harry Potter, Darth Vader and Peter Rabbit. His Yay! new sitcom, Frank of Ireland, starts tonight on Channel 4. And here to tell us more is a man that hasn't just got the luck of the Irish, he's got the talent to boot. It's the brilliant Donald Gleeson! Morning, Donald! Morning, morning. How you doing? Very well. How are you? Very good. Yeah, very good. It's nice to be talking to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for saying hello. Donald, i got to tell you, this show, it's off the charts, mate. I mean, I don't know whether... I didn't know whether to laugh, to to, to continue hiding underneath the the duvet or what. Um, it's, <laughs> it's awkward. It's funny. So much happens in 23 minutes. I've not seen the second episode, but the first episode, I mean, it's something to behold. You know, we've been discussing it here. We've talked about the in-betweeners. We've talked about The Office. Um, other shows that we've just um, been discussing, Brassic, a bit of Shameless in there, a bit of Father Ted in there. Is it all this? Is this music to your ears, or shall I shut up? No, that sounds that sounds great. You know, there's kind of a long uh, history of sort of sitcoms with very selfish, uh, self-centered main characters uh, trying to bend the world to their will and failing. And uh, I think this is uh, this is one of them. So yeah, I think it's also one where all the characters around him are kind of just as bad as. Frank, so as the series progresses, I think we get more into uh, the failings of everybody else, not just our leads. Um, oh, but yeah, it's all in fun. All in fun. It's, it's so mad, isn't it? Um, and you, you, your family, so you're, so it took me ages to get your name right, Donald, for years. You know this when I've been interviewing you. And now I've just, I've just, I've just called your brother Brian five times on the radio from 6.30 till now. And it's not Brian, it's Brian, isn't it? It is Brian. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, that's correct. But there's a character in the show called Peter Brian. And right. uh, there's, because three of us wrote it, and like one of us was calling him Peter Brian for the first, I think, four years of writing. So yeah, we, we get it wrong ourselves. So it's all good. All, all right. Good. So come on, let's let's have the big sell from the horse's mouth for people listening. Why why should they watch Night Ten? Like, what's it about? Um, the kernel of it. Where's the heart? Where's the pathos? Every great sitcom has to have a heart. Off you go. Uh, oh oh no. Um, let me think. Uh, Frank uh, is a guy in his thirties living at home. Uh, with his mom, who's just as sort of messed up as he is. He wants to be a musician, but he can't play music. He's got a best friend who he sort of bullies, an ex-girlfriend who he can't get over. And uh, he's just sort of struggling to get by. He thinks he has it really tough, but actually life has been very good to him. And he just doesn't realise it. So, uh, yeah, and he gets himself into all sorts of scrapes, as you would expect, in the sort of Alan Partridge, Kerber enthusiasm <laughs> sort of way, you know? And so you and your bro working together, has it happened before? Will it happen again? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's happened a few times before. We've done uh, a play together. We've done short films. We've done films. We've done sort of everything together before. And uh, I would love to do it again. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very, very funny in the show. Uh, it's kind of quite a creation that he's sort of come up with. But uh, I loved working with him, yeah. And then I, the other person who we wrote it with was Michael Maloney, who I've been writing sketches with since I was uh, a teenager almost. And so, yes, yeah, the three of us sort of came up with the with the show together. Okay. And w again, you've you got to have a sense of it like, 
Well, I saw the first episode of Brassic. You get the sense that the gang show on screen is also happening off screen. Might I be right? Yeah, it was like uh, it was a really tight group of, of, of people. You know, everybody in the show is very, very funny. Palm Boyd and Sarah Green, Liz Fitzgibbon, Tom Von Lawler, all these kind of amazing Irish actors and Pat Short. And then our myself and Brian's uh, dad, uh, Brendan Gleeson, also pops up uh, as the series progresses towards the end. So it was a really tight group, a very funny group. And uh, yeah, we had an absolute blast making it. Frank and his mum's dynamic, that's priceless. That's already priceless. How can you do that in the first episode of a brand new show? Already, that, that, that is the relationship for me. That is the one to watch. Yeah, I think that's kind of the that's really the heart of the show is is Frank and his and his mum. He sort of lives with her, and it's not a typical mother son relationship. They're almost more like flatmates, you yeah. know. Like he kind of wishes that he had the kind of ease that she has in terms of going out and dating people. She's much more comfortable with herself, and he's much more uptight. And she's just sort of a live and let live sort of a kind of a hippie sort of a vibe going on. And, uh, yeah, she just thinks he's hilarious. She just thinks he's a mess. She kind of likes watching the car crash that is his life. Well, well done, Donal. I mean, what are the future plans in your mind for this? Six episodes in the bag, six episodes good to go, um, streaming on all four, on Channel 4 tonight, the first linear episode, 10pm, Frank of Ireland. What are your hopes and dreams for the future of this show? Well, I, I just hope that uh, people like it, you know. I hope people uh, stick with it and, and, and go with it. I think the show really builds as the series progresses and uh, uh, we're really happy that it really builds to a big climax in the last episode with uh, Brendan turning up, as I said, as a sort of an older version of, of Frank. And, uh, yeah, I think we're really happy with how we sort of wrapped the whole thing around. And uh, we don't know if there'll be more. Uh, I think it will be a bit down the road. We're all quite busy in the meantime, but... Uh, we're super happy with what it is at the moment. I just hope people laugh at us. That's all the, the only reason it exists. Well, what a lovely side project to have in, in your back pocket. Awesome. And mm. does your brother, Brian, does he usually sport such a fantastic beard or was that just for the programme? God help him, man. He grew it for the programme. Wow. And then we were five weeks into, we were five weeks into a six-week shoot when we had to shut down, you know, for the pandemic. And so we didn't, you know, it was like five months before we got to go back and shoot the last uh, week or two. So Brian had it for all of the summer uh, when he was in <laughs> lockdown. So I felt so bad for him, man. It was so out of control by the end. Yeah, uh, I, but yeah, he grows an impressive beard. Very impressive beard. All right, pal. Uh, love to talk to you, Daniel. Please stay in touch and good luck with this. And we'll talk to you about something again soon, I hope. Looking forward to it, Chris. Thanks so much. All right, mate. Frank of Ireland tonight, 10pm on Channel 4. It's brand new. It's really, really, really um, fresh, box fresh. It's very original. It has lots of influences, but I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And I'm still not quite sure whether I found it more funny slash hilarious or awkward and cringeworthy. What do you think, Bass? <laughs> it's definitely got all of that it's in there. It's got all of it, hasn't it? Yeah. It's like, ah, should I be laughing? I'm laughing. Oh, no, I'll stop laughing. I can't stop laughing. And I was laughing and Caroline was sort of thinking, why, why are you laughing at that? And then I was thinking, <laughs> oh, am I a bad person? <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you turn the telly on at any time of day, there's a 99% chance you'll see our next guest. <laughs> the latest series of his smash hit show, In For A Penny, starts tomorrow at 7pm on ITV. And here to tell us more is Mr. Show Business himself. It's the glamour puss that is Stephen Mulhern. Oh. All right, Stephen. Yes, good morning. <laughs> Look at him, he's back. This is great. I know, it? it feels this amazing. Is, yeah, it's like... Oh, God, if we... Oh, and I still know we can't hug, but if we could, I would hug you all. Yeah, but we'll take it. We'll take what we can get, and you're here, and yeah. you look well, and you're, you're shiny, and you're sparkly, as you always are. Are you ever not? Um... No, I'm generally like this. I, yeah. I just enjoy <laughs> peeing around people. I enjoy having a good time. Yes. I enjoy life. Yes. And look, his arms are open, aren't they, Vassas? He's yeah. like, yeah. he literally is yeah. the, one of the most open human beings on the planet. So, 
In for a penny. This is, let's get down to some serious housekeeping straight away because you know, and if you don't, you must be a new listener. You know I love In for a Penny. It's my family's favourite show. It's our favourite show. Uh, League of Their Own is number two. Um, all the top <laughs> gears, even the ones with me on, are number three. Um, but Stephen's in for a penny, number one. All day long, Steve. All day long. It's, and it's back tomorrow. It is back tomorrow night, seven o'clock. I hope everyone's ready for it. And we did do it during the pandemic, but the games are better. The games it's bizarre. are better. So you grew, you grew. Yeah. You looked at the stimulus, you looked at the response, you created space in between, and you you, you gave birth to showbiz grace and wisdom. Oh, well, I was worried at first, <laughs> but then we grabbed it and we ran with it, and it is a joy. So we can look forward to this is seven o'clock tomorrow night, ITV. We can look forward to the return of sausage roll, <laughs> a gelato fun, pound pong, pedestrian question, and my own favourite, guess the weight of your case (laughs) (laughs) do do you weigh your case before you go away do you weigh your case well I don't because I barely take anything with me my wife probably does all that kind of literally literally sort of um, bureaucratic heavy lifting some people probably get by the sort of scales the digital ones do you no no (laughs) I sometimes have to because I bring so many so many toiletries and makeup and that's the really heavy stuff so you'd be good at the game because you'd have a knowledge self-knowledge but some people have no idea (laughs) some people forget what they put in their case like the guy tomorrow night I'm telling you now he had cheese ham (laughs) he's going away to I think he was going to Spain and I'm like hang on a second that's what my mum used to do but but what, what? But they must sell cheese and ham in Spain. It's not the same. It's not the same as my mum would say. It's not the same as northern cheese or ham. It's like northern humour. That's why Peter Kay's the funniest man in the world. Northern humour, Chris. The rest of the country don't get this. They do, mum. That's why he sells his tours out. They, they definitely get it. Everybody definitely. No, it's not. It's just us northerners. That's why he's so funny. No, mum. He sells arenas out all over the blimmin' world. Anyway, um, back to your point. So it's guess the weight of the case. That's the initial game. But of course, it means you can open the case and yeah. have fun with the contents. Mm-hmm. And boy. Do you? Well, it's just that thing is that I think sometimes, you know, unlike that bloke that you'll see tomorrow, he knew what he packed, but some people do forget. And it's just bizarre that they're like tea bags. But in terms of, there's only one time where we've been caught out with it. Mm. And it was a guy that had, and he had his wife and he had his daughter, who was about <laughs> 17, 18, and he had toys in his case. Yes. You're not toys for, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I take one of them out, and obviously I'm not going to. So I start messing about with it. <laughs> and at one point, he quite sternly says to me, "I think we've had enough fun with that, haven't we?" <laughs> Hang on, mate. You you're, ta- your yeah, you're taking it away. <laughs> By the way, if this is the most fun you think you can have with it, you bought the wrong toy. <laughs> You've been sold a pup. <laughs> but wouldn't wouldn't you say to someone that you supposedly know that is going to go through your case, I don't want to be part. To this game, yeah, I'd rather just get on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they, he was probably thinking, Look, if he goes through the first layer, it looks like a busy show. First layer, you know, I'll probably still get my 80 quid, he'll never, he'll never be any the wiser. You're thinking, No, it's all in the edit, pal. He's going to be going forever till something funny happens. This guy has never come close to working with anybody who's ever smelt TV in the past. Let alone what ever else might be going on. Hey, right, for people who don't know, your take on sausage roll. Oh, sausage roll. This, okay, so going back <laughs> to so what good. we had to work out was games that people could do socially distanced or if they're in a bubble. So yes. the idea is somebody lays on the floor, mm-hmm. you lay a sausage roll at their feet, then the other person has to just use their nose, tongue or chin to roll the sausage roll up their entire body and get it into their mouth. It's if hilarious. it drops, if it's it drops, game hilarious. over. 
The best story of this was um, we had two people. Remember, I've explained the rules to them mm-hmm. so everybody's aware. Yep. And I go, um, so so what's your name? Dave. Okay, Dave could see Dave. Who are you? I'm Elizabeth. Okay, great. Um, and how do you know each other? He went, that's my mum. And you go, okay, you know the rules of the game, don't you? You need to roll the sausage They've roll. They've got to be related to the guy with the toys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all from the same family. But this is, honestly, Chris, we spoke about it so many times. Um, and I, th- I know I said it as I walked in. Thank you so much for having me back. But um, it's just that thing where people <laughs> like to have a good time. And I think maybe that's why this is the best series so far, because people just thought, do you know what, let's just go <clears> for it. So tomorrow evening, 7pm, uh, in for a penny, ITV, you've got gelato fun, you've got um, guess the weight of your own case, you got the sausage roll. Yeah. You got you got pump it up, pump and you got up. obviously the uh, it in for a penny big, big final. Okay. Stop watching and pound pong. And pound pong. Don't yeah. forget pound pong. Where did you? Honestly, thank you so much, and thank you for the uh, for the deal sorting out the deal here at Virgin. Okay, and we got the other deal. We got <laughs> the we've got we got the side hustle. Oh, we got the what? main hustle. Guys. We got it all going on, Stephen. Can you see the tears, Vassos? Can you? I need these tissues. <laughs> they're, they're this has been the best day of my life. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Stephen. Oh, thank you so much. Love you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a world-famous friend to the animals with a fantastic story to tell, and you can hear him tell it. The live virtual event, How Animals Saved My Life, is happening on Monday, so if you want to see a super vet talking about super pets via the super internet, then listen up to the one and only Professor Noel Fitzpatrick. Hey, Noel. Well done, Dr. Dave. Well done. You have excelled yourself. I came in the studio and I said he's now the Drake of hip-hop the really radio. Is. He really is. He totally is. You love his intros, don't I you? I love it. I made him an intro after he gave I me the last intro. sent it to his phone. I remember. The only one it's ever made. It's Everybody true. who comes on, it must be a prerequisite. You've got to make Dapper Dave a jingle. He needs, he needs a little more love. But you know that we played that on the air, but you were off your... Oh, was I? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. No, I think you were... when you were on, on pretty strong meds at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you'd broken your neck. I'd broken... That's right. Did I miss my own jingle because I was high on opioids? <laughs> So, and then you made him one. <laughs> yeah. And then we played it on the air. Oh, you did? Yeah, of course we did. <laughs> you were on the that. phone. You were on the other end of the phone at the time. I, I've no idea. I, I have no recollection. The, although you do ring me when I'm under the influence of opioids, because when I had my ankle operated on, you also rang me in hospital. I think you quite enjoy. Well, no, I also quite like you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm worried about you. It's called, oh, care, you. It's called caring for your friends. You, you are. And, and you've been brilliant lately. Thank you. It's been a tough time. So thank you, Chris. Uh, I really appreciate it. How much you. do you want guy. to talk about the last few weeks? Uh, well, you're the boss, man. It's your radio studio. No, it's up to you. It's up to you. Uh, whatever you want. Okay, so you had COVID first time around. When was that? March t- last year. So about a year ago. Yeah. But then you got it a second time. I did. Tell us about the second time you got it. Um, did not see that coming. Uh, you're in your flow. You're, you're doing your stuff. Hilariously, uh, the funny thing about surgical masks, because I've got a surgical mask on here in the studio, is dogs can't recognise you. So I can't, I can't interact <laughs> with them. So that's the worst thing about COVID for me, because right. I'm, in, I'm in my office anyway. Right. I'm in the hospital anyway. Yeah. You don't get exposed. doesn't change that much. But you're seeing public and, and people are coming in all the time. And for whatever reason, I contracted again. Must have been a new strain. And I'll tell you what. Wow. So this one uh, just kind of paralyzes your muscles and it it's like um a war being fought inside your body and you're lying there in bed paralyzed because you can't move your muscles or your joints and it's very scary and on day two three 
when I called the ambulance, I thought, you know what? Um, and by the way, I should say a lot of people, God bless them, have had it much worse than me. So I am not in any, for one second, complaining. But I am saying, uh, just be careful. This is a horrible disease. I'm still going through like the fatigue of yeah. you know four weeks on. Uh. And I was out of it for two weeks, just lying there thinking, if it all ended today, what have I done? And, and what did it mean? And that's a lot, actually, about what this event next Monday night is about. What does it mean? What, you know, we might only be here till tomorrow. What does it mean? What do we, and animals have got us through lockdown, and my two cats and my dog were there. So what I felt was an intense sense of vulnerability, and I think that that is what people are feeling during lockdown, a kind of collective... It's a collective humbling, I think, of everybody, and we all realise we're in it together because... I felt so connected to all of the people at the practice. Some of them had had it. Some of the clients had had it. I got it. But you never really know what it's like to stand in another person's shoes until you're in their shoes. Yeah. And then when you're there, you think, okay, well, I might, I might not make it. I might. There's a lot of people that are worse off than me. And you pray for them and you think, I really, really, really hope that the world recognizes this interconnection when this is gone. Um, that we are all together because this virus doesn't care what color, race, creed you are. And in that context, and, I was, and, and you have nothing else to think about for the best part of two weeks. Because you couldn't move, could you? You physically no. couldn't move. It, it took like a two-minute effort to physically move your hand to, you know, you couldn't go to the toilet because you couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. And um, no, I mean, you said other people have had it worse, but it doesn't really get... Other than being hospitalized and being in intensive care... You were. It was as bad as it gets, almost, wasn't it? Well, look, I don't, I, I, I'm not one for sensationalising things, but yes, for me it was, and uh, I don't want to become a poster child for it. But at the end of the day, what I would take from it is, when as we now come out of lockdown, and by the way, thanks for having me on the show. What's a hilarious thing is that I was on the first guest on your show after the last lockdown. So let's not make a habit <laughs> of it. Doesn't bode well, does let's it? Let's not ha make a habit of it, but I'm delighted just to be out. Um, but what I would say is people, we tend to have this um, exaltation, this exuberance about the end of lockdown. And we think that there's, we, human beings have a tend to have a finite line in the sand. I see this in my consulting room every day. Doc, will my dog make it? Well, you know what, Mary? I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, but we're, we, and you look at what's happening in Brazil this morning on the news where they have it really bad. Unless we collectively come to the realisation that we live in a global world, we're not going to beat this. And for me, as a veterinarian whose whole life mission is one medicine, if we don't realise that we're related to animals now, when are we ever going to realise it? I agree. It? And the planet as well. And, and the planet. Yeah. And I've, you know, my whole thing and this thing on Monday night I'm doing is about how we're integrated, how animals got us through it. How do you get through anything? How the crisis affected me and what I thought about it. But importantly, how we're all related. And, and, and to draw a line on it, what I would say is this. Because humans have a line in the sand, we need to look forward to something or otherwise we become totally despondent. Mm. We think, oh, end of lockdown, great. We go out and you can have 400 people there. And yes, you, you hopefully, please God, we'll all be out exalting a car fest or whatever it's going to be in the future. But respect is the thing that I've... Hum, hum, humble respect for the smallest, minute prick in the bubble of life. And that gives you respect for your fellow man, your fellow animal. And, and social distance, for me, wasn't physically about distance. It was about closeness. 
It was about how much I yearned a hug, how much I yearned for the dog to see my face so he could recognise. It was hilarious. Yesterday, I pulled down my mask for a dog I'd seen five times. He didn't know who I was. As soon as I pulled down my mask, oh my God, it's Noel. Hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, is that, did that, that actually, actually happen? That actually happened. And it was really? a dog called Yogi right. that had cancer in his leg that I couldn't operate on because I had to delay his cancer operation because I got sick myself. And yes, last night, 8pm, his daddy, who's called Steve, came in and brought Yogi home. And Yogi saw my face for the first time in like eight days because I was alone with Yogi. And he was delighted with himself. And so to, to draw a line on that, yes, I had a bad, yeah, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, we're all an inch away from it. But let's be amazingly excited about today. When yeah. I got up this morning, I thought, wow. Isn't it brilliant that I'm here today? And you know what? I have a responsibility for everybody around me. And that's the important message, I think, to take out of COVID. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, this is the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. We've heard from three utterly magnificent guests already, but would you believe it? There's still more to come. The always hilarious Joe Pasquale takes us through his upcoming tour of the comedy theatre classic April in Paris. Impressionist extraordinaire John Colshaw doffs his cap and celebrates the life and works of legendary Thunderbird and Captain Scarlet genius Jerry Anderson. Country Files Matt Baker dons his wellies and mucks in with news of his highly personal four-part documentary Our Farm in the Dales. And the voice of F1, David Crofty Croft, gets us all pumped up ahead of the Amelia Romana Grand Prix live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1. All of that is about to happen right now, so relax and enjoy all those lovely folks having a good old Natter Dapper Dave. Who's first? It's time to get back out on the water, and who better to lead the charge than our next guest? The Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust has exciting plans for 2021 that might just include a car fest or two. Here to tell us more is the lady whose name's above the door. It's the incredible Dame Ellen MacArthur! Hello, Dame Ellen. Good morning. Good morning. How are you on this beautiful day? And isn't it a beautiful day? Much more cheerful thanks to the sunshine, I have to say. Oh my goodness me, it's absolutely good. Are you at home? I am. I'm on the Isle oh. of Wight, yes, where it is also sunny. I was going to say, what does it look like today there? But it's unbelievable, isn't it? Bright blue skies. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And a little bit of a frost, but that's all burnt off already. Right, Dame Ellen, tell us about the Ellen MacArthur Trust. First of all, what does it do? Well, the Trust is all about inspiring young people to believe in a better future, living beyond and through cancer. It's about helping those young people who've been, di- been diagnosed with cancer, going through treatment with cancer, to really re-engage with their future and, and put them amongst other young people who are going through something similar. And the effect that that has is just incredible. You know, you've met young people who've sailed with the Cancer Trust. They are the most inspirational young people you can meet. They're just 
you know, full of life and to see that transformation happen from that actually fairly shy young person mm-hmm. who's just finished treatment through to that young person who doesn't stop talking all the way home is <laughs> just absolutely wonderful. And we see that time and time again. And we weren't able to get on the water last year. And we are so excited that this year we'll be able to take young people on the water, either for a one day trip or if they've been with us before for a five day longer cruising. And Carfest has had a massive impact in helping us do that so thank you well you're more than welcome and there's more coming your way this year as much as we can wrestle from the arms of the lovely patrons who come and join us at Carfest North South and Retro um, this year and uh, for the last 10 years now for Carfest North and South so when I met some of the young folks after they'd finished their a week with you and it was all purely by accident wasn't it that I bumped into mm. them I literally bumped into them in the water and then they have a yeah. barbecue on the Thursday afternoon when they have a reflection on their week and their new friends there who will become lifelong friends for them you know mm. and it, it was profoundly moving I can't tell you you well you know how moved yeah. I was by the whole yeah. thing um and so it really works and it's simple if you know how but before they experience um a, a day or a week with you guys they they feel so isolated and it's no reflection on their family or the people who've been giving them care they just feel like it's just them and of course when the first thing that happens when they arrive is they look at other kids they go ah it's not just me mm, mm. and i think what makes it even more important now is that the isolation that you feel through cancer is terrible. You know, and we've seen this for the last 14 years working with these young people, but then put COVID over the top. Oh. And it's been so, so tough for those families. You know, our approach with putting sailing on this year was softly, softly. And we had so many conversations with parents who said, you know, we actually, we really need you. You know, we really need our young people to engage, to do something on the water, to, to get out there. It was, it was actually, you know, very much a pull from them, which is, you know, sad, but great to hear in a way. Yeah, mixture. no, it is definitely a double-edged sword uh, of joy and despair. There's no question about that. Now, I know that, that uh, conversations and negotiations in what you can do and remain, uh, and remain COVID compliant at the same time um, is still ongoing, but things are going to happen. What are your hopes and aspirations for the next few months? Well, the next few months are planning for our summer because our main sailing activities in the summer and we're going to be offering Taste of the Trust trips for young people who've not sailed us with, with us before. We've got 10 locations around the UK. Some will be on the coast in yachts. Some will be in outdoor activity centres. And they're going to be in England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and the Welsh borders. And then for those young people who have sailed with us before, all being well, fingers crossed, everyone has everything crossed this year. <laughs> we'll be running five day um, sailing trips for them. And actually, one thing that really has changed things is, you know, the lateral flow tests. Uh, the ability to test people before they come on the boat. Yep. Um, and so, fingers crossed, if, if it's all okay, safety is our number one priority. We'll be getting back out on the water and seeing all those smiles again, which will be game-changing. Yeah. And kids, life-changing, uh, forever life-changing. And kids are getting really good at lateral flow tests. My son, Noah, even though they're on Easter break still, uh, he has to do one every two or three days. And he's so good at it, he just goes and does it now in the corner. So yeah. they're leading the way there as well. So, Ellen, if people want to support you or get involved, what can they do? And by the way, I urge you all to do this because this will make you feel um, like a superstar. Come to Carfest. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would do uh, you as well. visit yeah. And actually learn about what we do and who we are and how we work and meet some of the young people. Because, you know, as you experienced, Chris, it's game changing. Mm. When we came in 2019 and Dan and Sophie spoke in the inspiration tent, it was a moment. It was a real moment. And I think people really you know, engaged and understood what those young people have been through. But All also right. our website, ellenmacarthurcancertrust.org and social media we're on Twitter, we're 
at EMC Trust. Yeah, and if you're thinking, you know, if you're contemplating, you're wondering about a purpose at the moment, you know, it's a sunny day, it's a great day to make a positive decision or a few of them today. You know, think about the, what, what's, what's going to happen this summer, where you're going to be, what you have to offer, what the restrictions are on us going overseas and what you can do here instead. And um, it's, a great, it's a great ship to jump on board, isn't it? Mm, the positive the positive ship and to to kind of i think you know for all of us not just young people going through cancer it's been a really tough time tough for everyone in different ways in different situations um but it does make you realize that you have to focus on the good things and the positive things and the things you can do not the things you can't good all right ellen MacArthur, cancer trust august where you need to go dame ellen thanks so much for being on the show and i can't wait to see you as soon as that is allowed yes thank you cheers els bells all right I mean, it's sort of allowed now. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything else later on, are you, Vass? No, I'm not going Should to the pub. Should we need down to the Isle of Wight and see how? With five members of the team. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, you know, I mean, we could try and get two tables together. Well, my dad's on the Isle of Wight and Annie and there's you and me and Ellen and we've oh, got one space for one more. Should we take tomorrow off? <laughs> done. Yeah, we've done the book day thing. Yeah. Yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Five... Four, three, two, one. John Coolshaw is go. <laughs> Good morning, John. <laughs> oh, what an intro. What an intro. Oh, it would be the intro I've ever been introduced by. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that, John. How are you, buddy? Oh, how, how's, how's, how's lockdown been for you? Have you, have you been in, sat in a pub or, a, or had your hair cut yesterday? Well, I've sort of got into the habit of cutting my own hair. I've sort of learned how to do it. Uh, <laughs> have you, again, this is genius because this is what I tried this very at the very beginning. I think we have quite similar sort of curly, incredibly handsome yes. hair. And, oh, I see. And, yeah, yeah. And, I try, and, I try, and I tried myself in early, early, the early days of lockdown and looked awful. It looked like a, a, micro, a microphone that hadn't been used for years. How, how did you nail it? With scissors or...? I, think I just had to go at just trimming a little bit off every... Two or three days, just a small amount. Really? Um, wherever a bit was sort of sticking out, a bit, you know, bedhead style. I'd just trim it off with kitchen scissors. And after about uh, two months, it sort of became self-regulating. And I kind of learned how to do it. Are you serious? Are you really <laughs> serious? Yes, so you it's one of those new skills you learn. I've learned how to cut my own hair. That's genius. And, and so you just look in the mirror and say, that bit's a little bit longer than it needs to be. I, 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 if I'm honest, and I, don't, I can't believe I'm admitting this on national radio, I've done this with eyebrows before as well. When the old yeah. brows get a little long, I think, oh, we'll have a little go at those. And I just, just a, you know what I mean? And Amelia, I don't know if you agree, but they look lovely today, don't they? They do. They're very fetching. Thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, 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 I mean, obviously your, your industry has been affected by lockdown. Has it been tough for you, John, or have you enjoyed the downtime? Well, a little bit of time to reflect is probably good for us all, in, in a way. Um, and it's forced us to be very adaptable. Uh, we've certainly learned how to do things online and over all of those connecting networks and so on that are, are second nature to us now. Yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of audio books, a lot of sci-fi audio books. 
of which the new Thunderbirds ones have been amongst them. So, yes, it's just sort of shifted the focus, and it's really made us appreciate the sense of everything just slowly, steadily coming back in now, that tide coming back in. Know, Lovely, wonderful. hopeful feeling coming Oh, with isn't that. it? It really is. It really is. So, John, obviously the reason you're honest to talk about International Jerry Anderson Day. Now, if I'm totally honest, John, not, not because of when I was born, I was born in 1975, not because when I was born, but we watched, me and my sister watched Grange Hill and Blue Peter, as kids, um, I, I wasn't a Thunderbirds kids. It, it wasn't because I had, I was I had nothing against Thunderbirds um, or other Jerry Anderson uh, uh, shows, but I just I just wasn't into it. And then last yesterday, because I was chatting to you, to, to you today, I got totally lost in a Jerry Anderson YouTube hole, and I, I'm in, <laughs> mate. I am in. It's, it, the, the science behind Jerry Anderson's work was remarkable. I had no idea. I mean, it really, really, it really was. And, and the, the spirit of it goes on. Just that imagination. Uh, the imagination of the super marionation, you could say. That those puppets, which had a, a depth. They seemed to have, you know, in, in the eyes. They, were, they weren't just painted on. But they, were, they had a sort of a depth and a charm and a lovability to them, as well as being very cool and cute at the same time. And put those into universes created by Jerry Anderson's imagination. You know, we know that uh, the likes of Elon Musk himself, when he was a kid, mm. he watched Jerry Anderson, and you see how, you know, that, that influence kind of has played out. Uh, the, the rockets of this era are starting to look much like the imagination of Jerry Anderson. And, and, and all, all this was happening in a warehouse in Slough with his wife and a team, a small team. Yeah, exactly. Imagine just walking through the door and seeing all of those universes oh, there before you yeah. um, in, in Slough of all places. <laughs> um, but yes, and all, all the, sh the shows that Jerry Anderson did, some of them live action as well. We think of Space 1999 or UFO. They had that sort of uh, Anderson imagination across them as well. Uh, everything just photoshopped up. But the, the colour, the, the crispness, the sense of science fiction... I think uh, Jerry Anderson's imagination was our first Instagram filter across the whole world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be so bold to say, as a new Jerry Anderson fan, that I, I, I'm, an, I'm an earlier days fan of his work? So, 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 so would it Fireball XL5, am I, saying that, am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. Big, fan of, big, yeah. Fan, of, big fan of Fireball, I loved it. Is that okay to say that I'm, an early, uh, I'm a, a fan of his earlier work? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that hooked everybody in. Mm. So many people talk about, you know, not just Fireball XL5, but Supercar, these sorts of things, the precursors to uh, Thunderbirds and Stingray and, uh, and so on. Um, so, yes, it's, um, th th there's so many different facets in all of these worlds uh, to appeal. And, uh, and, John, how will you be celebrating International Jerry Anderson Day tomorrow? I think I will probably talk like Jeff Tracy the entire day. <laughs> Brilliant. To give the uh, to give it a very heroic feeling. That's what I'm going to do. So let's so let's get let's get let's get into impressions because I I I, I would love to be ten percent of the impressionist that you are, and you know you know Boris, go to work, don't go to work. It's about as close as I've ever got. Yeah, you... I, I, I think that's very outstanding. I, I think what we can see there is a splendid uh, rendition of bother. Which I think the real bother should aspire to, and get it. Bah, a bit of Latin, and you're well away with that one. Bah. Wonderful. And and and, and, and Donald, how's Donald? Donald Trump these days in his quieter days. I think he's very quiet. I think a lot of people miss me. I'm gonna. I'm wondering what I should do. Maybe I ought to release a country music album. Maybe I just gotta try some different forms of art.
That's what I got to do. Right. Yes, it is extremely quiet without him. Perhaps in uh, perhaps that's a relief. I think it probably is. We all needed a break from him as well. We needed a break from life. Um, John, John, what, what an absolute pleasure to get to get you on the show. International Jerry Anderson Day tomorrow. JerryAnderson.co.uk. Thanks for coming on, John. Uh, great to have you on. And and look, enjoy coming out of lockdown and enjoy your life getting busy again. Yeah, my my pleasure, Sam. Great to talk to you. And hopefully, we can be. Uh, 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 over the microphones in real studios once again before too long. Wonderful stuff. All right. Cheers, John. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Right, take care, Thank bye, you. Bye-bye. 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 The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He famously knows a song that'll get on your nerves, but he also knows how to bring a comedy theatre classic to life. He stars in the new tour of the brilliant April in Paris from next month. So, ladies and gentlemen, please say bonjour to the monsieur of mirth that is the wonderful Joe Pasquale. Ah, bonjour, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Sam. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Il y a sept personnes dans la piscine. J'aime uh, la musique discothèque. That's all uh, I've got. That- well, I haven't got a clue what any of that means. I'm glad to Paris in the play, but I ain't got a word of it. <laughs> Do you have to speak French in no. April in Paris? Thank- not at all. Thankfully not. Thankfully not. We, um, it was written for two northern people, right? John Gubb's a fam- famous John Gubber play. Yes. And he wrote it for two northern people. Obviously, I'm not a northerner. And at the beginning of rehearsals, I tried it in a northern accent. And I don't know what it sounded like. It just wasn't even English that was coming out of me. So we decided, John thankfully rewrote it for a northerner and a southerner because Sarah Earnshaw plays Bet in it is naturally from Leeds, so her accent just fits it perfectly. And he rewrote it for me, so it fits in really well. And, and so how much rewriting was required? I mean, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go back a step, because for those who don't know, can you tell us the story of April in Paris? Yes, basically, it's... Uh, well, the thing is, I'll give you a bit more of a background than that. John Gubber is one of the most famous... A lot of people don't know John, if they don't know who he is. He's uh, one of the most performed playwrights ever. There's uh, Shakespeare's the most performed playwright, then it goes to Alan Bennett. This is in the UK. And then the third one is John Gubber. Yeah. And he wrote this about 20 years ago for him and his wife. And it's basically, um, it's a two-handed play. And it's a couple that have been married for over 20 years. And they don't get on anymore. They still love each other. They just don't know how to respond to each other anymore. And she wins. He's been out of work for a very long time. So it's a bit like this lockdown period. So they've been in the house together for such a long period of time. She wins a little holiday for a weekend in Paris. And basically, they try and reconcile over this weekend. And if anybody's been in a long-term relationship, you'll recognise it. It's one of the funniest things I've ever done. It's also very poignant and very moving. And it's a one-act play. It goes over about 75, 80 minutes. And by the end of it, you just you, you sit there with your hand in your mouth going, oh, please don't say that, because he's going to say that. If you say that, you'll <laughs> say that. And you recognise the relationship all the way through it. I really want to ask you if they're reconciled, but obviously I can't ask you. gives it all away. <laughs> this is the whole thing. That's exactly what, yeah. At the end of you going, are they going to stay together? Are they going to go? What, what's going to happen here? And it's really funny. It sounds really dark, and it's not. It's very light. It's very funny. And it's very loving as well. So this is a dream come true for you because you've, you've always wanted to perform a John, a John Gopper play. Oh, yes. Ever since uh, I saw um, Bouncers, which was you know, a long time ago now. But the b- biggest thing about this, this is the first one of the first plays on the road you know, when we were allowed to. You know, Boris made it illegal to put on a show 14 months ago. So to get out there on the very first day we were allowed to, it's, gonna be, it's not just a, a, a great thing to do this play. It's a great thing just to get on the stage and get audiences into the theatre again. And how's that been, Joe? How does it, how does it work with rehearsals? And uh, yeah, I mean, how did, how did obviously you got together, or did you? Yeah. Was it on Zoom? We got together. Well, yeah, we got well, basically during the first ease of lockdown last September, we was rehearsing. No, we were going to open in September, and then he locked it down again in October. So once that all opened up again for December, we were going to open up in January, and so we rehearsed in that period, and then they shut it again. And so we thought, oh no, no this is the third time there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he keeps to his uh, 
his word on this roadmap, and we get to open on the 17th of May. And I think, it, but you know, the way things are going, I think we are going to be there. It's very exciting just to get out. I haven't worked for over a year. I did decking this weekend, Sam. <laughs> Dave told decking. me that. This Mate. is proper show business work, decking, <laughs> isn't it? Because Dave, Dapper Dave came in to tell me that he asked you what you're going to do. What was the first thing you do out of lockdown? Yeah. And, yeah. and he expecting you to say, well, I'm going to go to the pub, I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. Because no. we, I mean, you're in terrific shape, aren't you, Joe? You're, you're, you're <laughs> a, I've seen your six pack. I've seen your yeah. six pack on, all over the. Well, the thing is, I didn't want to get fat over this period of time because my next door neighbour, Peachy Pete, yeah. you know, you've got Dapper Dave, I've got peachy Pete. <laughs> well, you don't get to know your neighbours, Norman, not, not in the way you do, you know, say hello to my other friends. Yeah. Over the past year, they've been so good to me, and uh, he's a great big fat bloke, and of course, over the weekend, <laughs> he's a real meticulous builder bloke, yeah. and we did this uh, decking over the weekend, he's so brilliant at it, but of course, he's, he's, where's his jeans uh, under his belly, and they just kept falling down, and you realise you don't want to get to know your neighbours that well, but he's been, so I'm going to stay in my decking today. You're going to stain your decking. How big is yeah. it? How big is it? Is it straight off the back? Of, Joe, one of the, I'm, I'm literally building a deck in three days' time. We're putting new doors oh. in. We're putting new patio doors in this okay. week. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to build a deck off the back of it. Have you? Are you going to do it yourself? I am, but I quite like handyman stuff like that. I, I quite yeah. enjoy wood, working with wood. Uh, but one, one thing is essential is to get the deck the same level as your kitchen floor or wherever it's flowing out from. Uh, so it just right. flows, Joe. So it flows. Yeah. I know it does, yeah. And is that, have you, mine, you came, gonna... mine came off my garage, so it's not, it's not indoors, so it's okay. Your decking and, uh, comes off your garage. Why have you got decking yeah. off the back of your garage? Well, <laughs> doesn't sound very romantic. Be, I can't be trying to tell you this over the radio. I'm trying to explain it to you. I'm, I'm not. I can't build. I'm not a builder as such. It just that's just where it is. Can right. we just leave it there where it is? Yeah, I'll do. I'll do. Yeah. Explain it. Okay. <laughs> it's too much this time in the morning. <laughs> the other thing I was told that you get rats under it under decking nowadays as well. I only told that after I built the deck. Yeah, right? you can. You can. But you have to. Um, you have to close up all the holes and you don't, don't, uh, just don't drop your food down. It's only you only get rats under decking because you, you tend to eat the food uh, on it and the okay. food drops down. Just don't drop food on the decking. I won't, you'll be I won't fine. drop food on there then. That's, what, that's the answer. I won't do that at all enough. Um, Joe, I cannot wait to do this. So listen, these are the dates we've got so far, friends. And, and obviously it's all a bit strange opening. We don't know when it, we don't know how, how. Well, tell me how it works in the theatre because it's a socially distanced it's performance. Socially yes. Yeah, so basically there's only two people on stage so it's easy to keep socially distanced on that. So there's only, I can't remember what the percentage is but there's a very lower percentage of audience, audience in the, uh, can get into the auditorium. So they'll socially distance seat-wise and all that sort of stuff. And because it's a one-act play, yep. there's no interval, so they don't have to cross over, go into the bar and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we've got, I think we've got five or six weeks in at the moment. We're starting uh, Coventry, but a load more dates are coming in, so it's hopefully it's going to run for the rest of the year. Uh, we're starting Coventry, and then we go to Hull, Chesterfield... Um, I think Nottingham. Wellingborough. You've got uh, Wellingborough on the 6th of June. Well, and then Nottingham. Yeah. Theatre uh, Royal. We've got loads of other ones coming in, yeah. Wonderful stuff. Joe, what an absolute... I could talk to you for hours, mate. What an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. April in Paris, 17th of May to the 19th of June. April in Paris, live.co.uk to get your tickets. Joe, you don't need my luck, but best of luck with everything. Lovely well, having listen, the show. Good thank luck you, Sam. Good, good luck with your deck in this week as well. Dude, thank you. I might pop round to yours for a bit of advice. Have a great day, Joe. Okay. All right. Cheers, Lots Cheers, of love. Dan. Cheers, mate. Bye, bye, bye now. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest knows better than most that you can take the boy out of the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the boy. His new documentary series, Our Farm in the Dales, continues this Wednesday on More 4. He's not a butcher. He's not a candlestick maker, but he is a Matt Baker. <laughs> hey! Hey! hey. hey. 
Matt Baker, morning, Matt. Good morning. I enjoyed that intro. Thank oh, you. No. I'm glad you did. Any broody photos of you on Instagram today, Matt, we can look forward to? <laughs> Um, no. Oh, I, might, I might pop one up with a little lamb, you never know. Uh, that, that would win. <laughs> that would win. I think a lamb would win over a baby. Yes, quite broody. <laughs> so, Matt, you, you, we're, we're speaking to you live from a farm. Tell us exactly where the farm is. Yes, we're up in the Durham Dales. Uh, so we're a 1,000 feet above sea level, and we've got a bit of a break in the weather at the moment. So it's quite nice here. We've been having lambing storms, which oh. are basically... Um, well, well, it's sunny, but you get a bit of snow at the same time. Um, but uh, all is good. Uh, a little bit chilly. Uh, but other than that, it's a glorious day. Um, yeah, calm. So, so there's a reason that, that Matt is on a farm, and he's been on a farm for a while, and he's going to be on a farm for a lot longer. Um, Matt, can we go back into your childhood, and can you tell us about your childhood, where you lived, where you grew up, and, and how your life was from sort of 10 years old onwards? Yeah, so I... Um, well, I lived a very kind of practical lifestyle, to be honest with you, um, just out all the time, um, out on the farm and learning life in that way, really. I mean, school was uh, came along with a little bit of an inconvenience at times and sort of got in the way. But uh, I thought, do you know, to be honest with you, I had a weird upbringing because I was a gymnast as well. Uh, I was a British champion gymnast when I was around that age. And so I, uh, when I wasn't in the gym, I was out on the farm and then... Uh, filling in the gaps at school and what have you. But, um, yeah, one thing led to another, and bizarrely, I ended up on Blue Peter um, and then had eight fantastic years on Blue Peter. Um, Country File came along, the One Show came along, and um, and not long after I said that I was, you know, going to leave the One Show, um, my dad rang me up and said, your mum's had this really bad accident down in the sheep pens. And... Um, uh, you know, she's ended up in hospital. So um, I rushed back, obviously, straight away back to the farm and what have you, because mum's the shepherdess. It's not like my dad runs the farm at all. It's all my mum. And um, so, yeah, she basically smashed her leg. She just got kind of knocked over by some of the sheep in there and she ended up sort of in a bit of a bad way. She ended up having to have a total knee replacement and what have you. And, I mean, I've, I've said how high up we are. We're a hill farm. And when you have a knee replacement and stuff like that, it means, that you need to look at the infrastructure of, of, of the farm and the way that, that it's been run and what have you. And so we had to make some pretty big changes and sit down as a family and have a big old chat about how we were going to make it sustainable to go forward. And because mum, there was no way that mum wanted to stop farming. But um, basically, she was breeding Hampshire down sheep, which are from the county of Hampshire, from kind of the rolling hills of, of the south. And really, it takes a lot of care and attention to get them through the winter time when you're this far up north. Um, so we, we decided we were going to stop, you know, focusing on them, get some hill breeds that were going to be able to cope a lot better uh, and fend for themselves. So, yeah, we've been we've been doing some pretty big changes, been off all around the UK, getting these these breeds that are hardier and making some big changes to the farm. And we've we've been filming it all in this kind of documentary series. And um, people seem to have really enjoyed it, you know. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you. Why are certain sheep easier to look after than others? Well, so you've got, basically, we have county breeds in the UK that are kind of bred for the landscape of that particular county. Yeah. And so you'll get thicker, heavier sheep that can cope well and want really lush grass. And then you get things like Herdwicks, which are native to the Lake District, or Cheviots, which are the Scottish borders, that can fend for themselves a lot better. They can nibble on, on grass that isn't so nutritious, and they can cope on mountainsides and stuff like that. And they'll lamb outside and all that kind of stuff. So we've actually been lambing our hampshires 
the heavier breed because we haven't got rid of them all yet. And so they've all been inside and in little pens and with buckets and feed and, you know, taking hay and straw to them every single day, bedding them up, feeding them up, what have you. Whereas the other breeds, like Hebrideans are another breed that we have actually had for a long time, which, as the name suggests, are from the Outer Hebrides. And they're used to the barren lands up there. They lamb outside, you know. They'll they'll go down into the woodlands and then they'll pop out of the gorse with a, with a lamb or oh. two. Uh, and they can deal with that themselves. And so for mum going forward, to have breeds like that, that are, you, you know, more useful and can fend for themselves better, is, is better for her. Um, yeah. And mm. uh, so how long are you going to be there for, do you know? Oh, you're um, in. Oh, you're well, in for, it's the long run now. You're in, are you? Yeah, I mean, well, we're we're still we're lambing at the moment. I mean, everybody's talking about lockdown lifting for us. It's kind of no different, you know. No, yeah. The only thing, the only thing that's been let out are the chickens because of bird flu. You have to keep them in over the winter. <laughs> right. so, the, so, so they're experiencing this kind of feeling of lockdown lifting, but uh, that's the only difference for us. You must have a local pub. Is there a local pub in a village nearby? You can yeah, have a pint as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll head up there. Oh well, Matt. I've, I've, listen, I sat down this weekend with 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 my kids and I watched the first two episodes of your series. Is it? Am I right in saying uh, it's four? There's four episodes, so we watched four with, episodes. We're halfway, yeah, yeah. and it's. Oh, I'm it's, pleased you watched it with the kids because that was the whole thing. We wanted it to be a family thing because my children are in it too. And my dad. The only thing my dad was bothered about is it. It's on too late. It's on at nine o'clock. <laughs> I want families to watch it. So. Yeah, it's definitely a family watch. My my kids loved it. But what was interesting is because. Of where we live now, um, just outside London, I yeah. drag my kids into London all the time to show them the big bright lights and the theatre. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and yet they watch a show like yours and they go, "Daddy, that's what that's what we want to do. That's what my yeah. my girls would." I said, "Would you swap out? Would you swap life to live on a farm tomorrow?" And they both went tomorrow without even thinking about it. Oh, they would really? have to do it. So your kids yeah. are living the dream, really. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, and, you know, it's important for me that they get to have choice, really. And, I mean, we're in a fortunate position where we can we can offer that. And But I think, you know, with the way the future is and technology and all that, I don't shy away from them having any of that either. So you just give them what, what you can do you as parents, I suppose. Well, Matt, we love it. We absolutely love it. The series is brilliant. It's called Our Farm in the Dales. It continues with episode three of four uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday, 9pm on More 4. But it's all available via SkyQ. Just say, just, just say Our Farm in the Dales into SkyQ and into SkyQ remote and it's all there Matt what an absolute pleasure speaking to you buddy best of luck with everything and best of luck with the future and and we'll speak to you soon brilliant take care mate cheers bye all bye 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 the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio Fast cars, delicious wine, and the dulcet tones of our next guest. That's right, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this weekend. And here to tell us more is a man with the style of Armani, the talent of Da Vinci, and the appetite of Pavarotti. <laughs> it's Crofty! <laughs> hey, Crofty, how are you? I'm very good, Vass, very good. Morning, Vass. Morning, Sam. Morning, Crofty. Morning, mate. la Vista, as they say in Italy. Well, I tell you what, Sam, Crofty and I have covered many, many sporting events together. And what Dapper Dave says about his appetite, it it's true. But Crofty, I don't think we've ever been to Italy together. <laughs> what no, are you like no, there? Well, do you know what? It's uh, yeah, pasta for first course, pasta for second course, and uh, some sort of lasagna dessert will do me wonders. This and weekend. that's his breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell you yeah, what, Crofty, we we hoped for an exciting start to the season, and by heck, did we get one in Bahrain? For those people silly enough not to have seen the opening race of the 2021 Formula One season, just recap for us, could you? Yeah, and there weren't many that missed it. Record viewing figures for uh, Sky F1 for the first race of the season. 
Max Verstappen starting on pole, Lewis Hamilton alongside him, and the battle that we hope that is going to continue all season long happened for all 57 laps. It was nip and tuck uh, before Hamilton uh, got to the chequered flag first and a very significant radio message to uh, Pete Bonington, his engineer at the end. I've still got it, Bono, uh, says Lewis. Don't write off him or Mercedes just yet. It's going to be a cracker of a season. So questions from Caroline, my wife Caroline, who is now the world's biggest Formula One fan, thanks to Drive to Survive. Um, (laughs) Question number one, she says, please ask Crofty these. Why is it so hard, she says, to be Max Verstappen teammate at Red Bull now this may or may not have something to do with the fact that she has a bit of a thing for Pierre Gasly who used to be mm, yes bless him but uh, Pierre's done alright at Alpha Terry. why is it so hard to be his teammate because he's really good and, and, and it's as simple as that when you're up against in the same machine one of the best drivers on the grid at the moment you know you've got to perform to a greater standard week after week after week and look it didn't work for Pierre Gasly it didn't work for Alex Albon it might work for, for Sergio Perez but he didn't get anywhere near to Max in qualifying and it was only through a splendid drive in the race that he managed to come in the top five and Max Verstappen is the real deal and if he was in the Mercedes he'd probably be winning championships like Lewis has but so far the Red Bull hasn't been to the standard of the Mercedes car but that might have turned around this year and that's why this year is so exciting So the, the other question is Lewis Hamilton v Max Verstappen v anyone else you care to mention say Alonso or Norris or Russell or mm. Vettel in the same car who wins? Uh, listen, we'd all have to go down the pub uh, with Carolina. We can sit in the beer garden now, so that's OK. Uh, but that, that, that's a pub debate, that one. Um, who wins? Um, I don't know is the honest answer. And it's very difficult to compare. But, um, oh, I don't know. I, I still think Lewis is, is, is shading the rest of the grid purely and simply because of what he can do when his car isn't as good as the rest. But look, look at Fernando Alonso in Bahrain. That Alpine uh, is, is, is driving like a Citroen rather than a, a high-classy uh, French uh, sports car. Um, and he managed to put the car in ninth. And it was only a sandwich wrapper in his brake duct that stopped him getting in the points. So, so he absolutely outraced that one. And trust me, Citroen was about the nicest analogy I could give for that car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in Italy this weekend. Are you expecting, hoping for more of the same for Stappen v Hamilton at the front, toe-to-toe, nothing between them? Yeah, no, I am, to be honest. And I, my mind was cast back to, to two great races we had in Imola in 2005 and 2006, where in 05, uh, Fernando Alonso led Michael Schumacher and the pair jostled for for lap after lap after lap. And a year later, it all switched around. It was Schumacher ahead of Alonso. It's difficult to overtake at this track, uh, but you can follow closely. And you, you, you've got to have patience as a Formula 1 driver to wait for the opportunity to come, which it might if you look at the weather forecast, because there's a spot of rain around uh, Imola on Sunday. We might get a wet race, and therefore it could be even more interesting. Uh, I'm expecting Hamilton and Verstappen to be right out there. As I say, the Red Bull's the better car, uh, as the chief engineer for Red Bull walks into the room that I'm standing in and gives me a look there that says, what are you talking about, Crofty? You have no idea. Um, uh, God bless Pedal. Good timing, um, mate. Good timing. That, that was good timing, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I, I am expecting more of the same. Um, actually, come in, GP, come in, come in. I'm on air with Virgin. Is Max going to win this weekend? I'll get a thumbs up from Max Verstappen's race engineer as he comes into the room that I'm sat. There you are. 
Max Verstappen for the for the race win. So says his race engineer. How about that for exclusive news? So the Italian Grand Prix, the Emiliano Romana Grand Prix, second race of the season, Sunday, twelve noon, Sky Sports Formula One. It is only live once. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.